Joris Cuesta is a thought leader, speaker, trainer, and facilitator. He's a good mate of mine that we met about 18 months ago. Um, he's been building his thought leadership practice uh, with me in the Thought Leadership Business School. It's a community of people who are thought leaders who are um, sharing their ideas to the masses. Uh, his thought leadership, um, and he likes to be called himself as the Plateau Hacker. He helps leaders and subsequently businesses and their teams better perform from within and past their plateau. Enjoy Quester's Yarn. Joris Quester, thank you for joining yes. us in the Iron Yarn podcast. It's great to have you here. Well, thank you for having me, Loki. Pleasure. So, Joris, we're obviously today, um, it was announced that uh, New South Wales will be in lockdown, or like in the current status as it is uh, for the next 90 days. So, that's a bit of an update for everyone, and that's when we're recording this. So, um, yep. uh, how's that affecting you? Have you had any thoughts of that today for you? Uh, well, it's, it's still early. I think the, the emails will be running hot, but we've been moving everything remotely. So we've put in place um, a few things for our, our clients already. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I mean, 90 days is a long time, but we've been preparing for, for the long haul, um, definitely. But um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Fantastic. Well, mate, with the beginning of these podcasts, we like starting off with a bit of a quote. Um, do you mind sharing a quote of yours? Yes, well, I've got two quotes. One of them, which I've, um, I've been using while being very young, and, and one of them is never settle for second best. And that was because I was always going for, you know, what was attainable uh, or seemed to be. So that's one that always come back when I need a bit of a punch and uh, uh, in terms of, you know, keep going. And the other one, which has, um, I've discovered a few years ago, is uh, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience but we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And that's from a French philosopher, which uh, funny enough, I discovered only a few years ago while being in Australia. Right. Okay, cool. So tell me how they've kind of come up and been a bit of the, you know, bright light for you. The more so, the second one, um, I'd be interested yeah, to... The, the, yeah, the second one, I... Look, I've, I used to be one of those guys that um, jumped wholeheartedly into the rat race, so to speak. So being consumed by life and wanting to do better and support everyone and being a yes man within any organization I was at and to be the kind of guy that um, even an exec would say, oh, any hard task or any hard project, just give it to Joris, he'll sort it out. It came to a point where I kind of started collecting burnouts. Uh, I mean, collecting just two, that was enough for me. And uh, I just started thinking there has to be more to all of this. I cannot, it is not sustainable for me to keep going this way. So I kind of extracted myself from the rat race and took about a um, couple of years off and started traveling. And, you, you know, when they said, you know, when, uh, when the time is right, the master shows up and, you know, the student is ready to learn. So that's what happened while being in the U.S. on a road trip uh, through all the main national parks, seven of them. And in the span of 30 days, it was amazing. And then while being um, in Bali, where I've met a couple of amazing people, and I started to really reconnect with um, the spiritual side of things. And that's where everything uh, came together. Oh, nice. I like it. It's similar. Like, it sounds like, you know, Bali is a bit of a, a hub for that. Indeed. I've certainly had a similar experience driving through America. You've got a, quite a fair few of these big national parks you go through. And, um, you know, knowing that so many big, you know, innovators and thought leaders and um, creators have kind of gone through those 
same areas. It's quite inspiring that, isn't it? Um, so I think we might just transition into like your journey. Like obviously in that moment, like how many years ago did you have that kind of transition? Um, that was 2016, 2017, uh, if I'm right. And uh, it, it took a bit of a while because I wanted to go back and find the job. And then there's a couple of people that I've been working with that are brilliant. Um, and the, actually the author of uh, Forever Skill Hill here, Dan Gregory and uh, Kieran Flanagan. And we had a conversation and having worked together, they said, look, you know, you've got something to offer. Um, you should really think twice about, you know, going back to your nine to five or, you know, uh, be of service to many, uh, whether it's people or company with um, what you do best. And that's where uh, really, you know, the conversation um, started and uh, rather started to hit the road and um yeah i didn't look back i started to consult and uh in the inbox i received the first gig which um i was not expecting and it was prior to that conversation and it was just amazing and a friend of mine entrepreneur said when you don't want a client or a client is difficult you just double your price if they said yes at least you know uh, they're paying you for the pain uh, and if they say no you're happy days so I actually thought of the price, uh, which you know I thought was pretty good, and then I doubled it. And that client um, hit reply and said, "Not a problem. Can we start Monday?" So um, I think those are the the milestone or the little signs that life sends you that, that, that you've been pushed into something, and that's really how it happens between that client saying, "Yes, I want you," and between um, Dan and Kieran saying, "You know, start thinking. You know, you could be of greater service by doing what you love uh, and work you love every day." Um, it all came together, and that has been developing over time to what I do now. Fantastic, and so just rewind it a little bit before then before 2016 17 you're actually working for some big brands doing a lot of you know big multi-million dollar companies and helping them get their brand out to the community is that right yeah so i mean it, it, it had very i was always in a brand and marketing and leadership team so it went at the very beginning i even had the, the pleasure of working for Cannes film festival uh, back home in france and strike a few great partnership deal with um great with vodka when they first came out to the market in 2017 in that area um for sponsorship and then quicksilver for the um winter festival in la d'huez um that was pretty pretty cool um and while being there the the people said at the time um quicksilver european marketing manager said to me oh we'll we'll see you next year and we'll do bigger and i said well i'm going back to australia and it was extremely interesting because in hindsight, now I'm looking back and the reason why um, it went all so well is because she said, you looked at us and you understood us as a brand, but you also had in mind your objective, but you took both into account and you worked towards an outcome that will be serving both. Uh, she said, usually when um, someone reach out for sp sponsorship, they're really single-minded. So that was really interesting. And that kind of stuck, stuck with me all those years. And I realized that over time, it's always in the best interest of the business for me and for everyone to find, uh, you know, a positive outcome, not just, you know, someone to be out to get a bigger deal or to only uh, get a better outcome for themselves. So I think that that was cornerstone to everything that has happened. And over time, brands that are known in Sydney will be the Maryvale Group, um, the Justin Hams and, and, and his family uh, had the pleasure to, to, to work there. And that was um, straight after some kind of incident that was in the paper and it was all about um, a bit of public relations, but more on the ground. So liaising with end security and patrons uh, and moving to an open door venues. Back in the days, the IB was 
um, closed doors, so to speak, and you had to line up and, and see, you know, um, if you could come in or not. Um, and, and moving that, it meant that a lot of the staff had to go through, um, you know, different mindset and change where they used to be able to look at people and decide, you know, whether they were fitting whatever criteria it was to come in um, to everyone is actually welcome now. You know, everyone can come and, and there's so many different types of enjoying one venue. We can have, um, you know, very various demographic. And so that was an interesting time because there was a lot of liaising, a lot of talking with people in training. And that's where, you know, the deeper branding side of things started to, to kick off. And then I moved on to uh, Diane Tourage and I worked on um, Jack Delosa um, rebrand and launching his uh, book um, and written. So that was fantastic and touring uh, Australia. And that's where I met Dan and Kieran and many, you know, uh, Australian entrepreneurs. Uh, and from that, you know, evolving and um, doing a gig with not-for-profit as well, which was uh, fantastic. And then lending on my two feet and uh, starting my own practice, really. Fantastic. Well, I guess, you, you know, you can you work with some of these biggest brands in the country. And now you've kind of felt that actually you can offer that to more people under your own business brand name, yeah? Yeah. So that's what happened. But, I mean, what, you know, if we talk about, you know, purpose and what you like doing, what really upset me most is I see high-performing individuals with exceptional talent in an organization or in their own business um, that for some reason, while achieving exceptional things, they have something that's holding them back. And they're coming a bit at a crossroad. And it's always about they're often hitting a career um, or a business plateau. And they're asking themselves, why am I still you know, in this job? What's in it for me? I'm still running this business, feeling like it's I'm probably destined for it, but there is something getting in their way. So I, I hate people, you know, having those amazing business ideas or talent and being wasted just by, you know, um, being withheld by themselves. So the work I do now, it's specific to individuals and really working on those blogs they may have as a leader so they can really start uh, tapping into the true leadership style not one that's expected by the company or by a social setting uh, or the country you live in, but also about what's true to them. And that's where the really the genius um, lies. And from that often, uh, people call me in to work with their team. So there's a couple now that have asked me, look, you know, the team is a bit of a lift and can you come and do a bit of the work you do with the team? And sometimes you go bigger with the organization. And so, for example, last year I worked with um, a fantastic brand, Feedstop. Uh, they're based in Queensland, and they're actually taking the fitness uh, industry by storm. Um, they've, uh, when I've worked with them, they had, I think, 22 locations. Uh, and I think five months later, they had sold about 75. Um, and, and that, you know, uh, jump was the fact that we worked together with the team on finding the true essence, um, the why and the purpose, and that really empowered every team member to show up to work and really um, develop a different connection to uh, the brand that we're working for. It was not just another fitness brand. It was really unique to them. So I think they're uh, releasing, um, that was phase one of what I would recommend anyone to do before a rebrand. And they went through the rebrand over the past um, few months, I think six to 12 months. And now they're launching this week, actually, uh, the new look. So I'll invite everyone to have a look. And um, that was actually stemmed from the work we did at the beginning. But Kudos to some of their um, board member and, and co-founder, Richard Bell, which reached out um, and said, hey, you know, can you come and have a chat? And uh, um, Peter, who the, the founder and co-founder, actually said, let's do it. And uh, they realized after doing so that um, the value that resides in that exercise, because he said, look, 
if we had not done that, we may have gone a completely different way with the rebrand from a, um, let's just say, appealing cosmetic perspective. And we live in a, in a world now which is all about show and tell, you know, Instagram, swipe right, left, you know, all those apps. Uh, but the real work, and for anyone, especially in time of crisis, as you know, the time we're speaking now with COVID, it's all about what are the true foundation? What do you believe in? What is your true core in essence? So regardless of what's happening, you would never feel unsettled and you'll know what to do. You can truly lead. And as we've seen in the past two weeks with this particular company, um, I've reached out to a lot of my clients and, and I said to him on, through Instagram text, I said, look, always go back to the purpose and you'll be fine. Um, and he said, look, it, it's, it helped a lot because they had to pivot and they're going online and they were preparing for that. But knowing what they stood for has enabled them to have a very clear message and to know that they were in it for the right reason. So regardless of what, you know, the environment is throwing at the company or their leader, they actually know what the cap is. So it's a steady course for them. I really, this perfect timing, I think now, because a lot of people are starting to get so caught up in, oh, oh, wow, to our customers, how do we need to be presenting ourselves to our customers and then forgetting about actually that core, that core purpose, the values and the people in there. Because a lot of people, you may have the exec team, the board or whatever, and they may be saying, this is our direction, we're going that way. And if they're not bringing their employees, their staff and the people who are really speaking the brand on that journey, all of a sudden, it, it, it's like an egg. It may have, you know, well, like a, uh, either a good or rotten egg. The outside could look beautiful, but actually on the inside, it's all rotten core and it tastes like shit. So I think the important thing is, um, you know, bring everyone along that journey. Otherwise, it's just going to be short, short engagement periods, really, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I think because now people have more time and they're in their room and some don't have as much time because working remotely is, is a challenge for, for a lot. But I think people, I mean, as I said, the BS meter, the bullshit meter is really high for people, especially in Australia, New Zealand, uh, with the culture. And in those time of crisis, you are really going to see very clearly who's in it for the right reason and who's in it for to make an extra buck. So the way they behave, the type of communication they send, their language, their tone, they're going to be paddling, they're going to try to copy someone else what they did. Everyone is looking at what's the next, the latest release. I mean, yesterday I was, um, whether we like him or not, but I was looking at um, the tweet from um, Tesla founder. And yes, they've been asked and they were thinking of doing ventilators. And now they have a capacity to do a lot, uh, which I really needed for uh, the COVID patient. And he's actually tweeted saying, we've got extra. We're ready to ship within any of our Tesla uh, delivery um, um, area worldwide. Uh, there is no shipping cost or no cost for the machine. The only thing we ask you to do is for this machine not to go in a, um, in a warehouse, but directly to the hospitals and to the patient that do need it. Now, that shows you what they stand for. That shows you the real intent. It's really to be of service and to help as many as they can. Now, obviously, on the flip side, it's an amazing, um, you know, they're going to get great marketing and coverage. But look, the real intent there is doing what's right. And they've been showing up day in, day out. Um, companies in France, um, LVMH, which is um, the, the Louis Vuitton group, um, they've transformed their, you know, Christian draw um, line. And instead of bottling perfume, they're bottling hand sanitizer. And they're offering it to the French government and all the hospital free of charge because, you know, there's a lot of product, first necessity product now that are actually in great shortage worldwide. So 
those companies, um, there's a reason why they're in it for the long haul. There's a reason why they've done the work, you know, whether we like it or not. And I'd invite every company to do that. And as you were saying, most importantly, um, it's not just about deciding, you know, what you stand for at the top, but you need to develop your leaders. And interestingly, in the U.S. now, into their forecast, there is a line about personal development for leaders. And that's mm. where I come in and work with them. But more importantly, the rest of the organization needs to connect to it. Everyone should be showing up to work with the best self and who they are wholly, fully, rather than thinking, oh, if I'm working for this company, I'm expected to behave in this way, this way, and this way. So I'll do that. And then you're putting a new costume every morning and it's not you. So obviously at some point, the friction of putting a costume that's not yours. I mean, I mean, you know, Halloween is good, but it's one day a year. It's as if everyone plays Halloween every day. It's exhausting. Totally. So what's a bit of advice you have for companies now who are kind of going through these huge changes in their workplaces, like everything's becoming virtual, they're having daily Zoom meetings, um, and rather than getting caught, caught in the output, how to retain customers, how to gain customers, market share in this disruption, but then how do they engage their employees in that journey? What are some, like, do you have some tips on how you do that in this period of COVID? Yeah, yeah. Um, from a leader's perspective, because of the situation we're in now, the leaders need to it's trying to do the work with the leaders to really define what's the road ahead and the leaders to bring certainty in a certain times. Uh, number one, it's about for people knowing that they're safe and that the job is safe. That's, that's paramount. Um, and we've seen that with a few companies. I've jumped on a few Zoom call uh, with team meetings. They were feeling really fragile. And I did share, I said, look, you know, with your company, there is no issue. Most of you will be fine. And you could see everyone's face. And the leader, the exec afterwards, we had a catch up and he said, I had no idea that what you said just this would have so much of an impact. And that's because people are really worrying about, you know, what's vital is their job, their livelihood. So that's number one. Number two is also trying to define about what is it you do? Why do you exist? Well, why are you serving your customers? And this might not be perfect right now because, you know, you don't have the time to do the full work, but just share that and just all be aligned and say, look, this is what we're trying to achieve. End of story. This is not about anything else. We're trying to serve in this way for this market. That's it. And then everyone knows what they need to focus on. Because working remotely as well is I would encourage also the company to support your team. There's a lot of teams um, that are fragile and working remotely will actually make them even more fragile. Uh, we know now uh, from studies that in terms of efficiency, um, you get your full day of work efficiency from Monday to Wednesday, but Thursday, Friday is down the drain. And that has a huge cost. And that's all to do with um, how do you organize, what does it mean to, you know, for the, the team to make sense of working from home. So that's also some of the work I do with my clients at the moment and others. But I think those are the three most important things to keep in mind. Number one, what do you stand for and the fact that their job is secure? And if it's not, just have the conversation or just tell them that it might be coming, but all will be done to save as much as we can. Number two, what are we, who are we serving and what are we trying to do for which market? Um, and number three, just a bit of support in terms of what does it look like to work remotely and redefining that team dynamic from a remote work perspective. Yeah, right. And then I guess, and then choosing as a team, like, um, do you have consistency? Like, obviously, a lot of these transitions into the virtual world um, requires yeah. a bit of habit. Like, do, is that something you'd encourage people to check in on daily, weekly, fortnightly? or? 
Yeah, well, what I encourage people to do is if you look at a quadrant like this, um, this one here is about them, the individual, who are they? So you, Loki, or, or myself, and anyone watching this. Then the other one is um, the, the, the inner circle, and then it's about your team, and then your company. And the reason being is because you are now in the same environment, within the same four walls, you don't dissociate all of those. And there is conflicting priorities, and you do not prioritize anything anymore. And it's a, you run at the risk of um, becoming, you know, uh, trapped into a 24-7 mindset. So it could be 24-7 work because the laptop is always open. And when you walk by, you stop, you watch a video, an email come through, and then you keep working and working. So there's no regime. There's no health. And we know that mental health is extremely important while you work remotely. So work on those four quadrants and try to make sense of it. Then the family unit is because you're less likely to be on your own at home. And everyone else has their own life and their own priorities. So how do you fit within them? But then also for your team, how do you show up to support your team? How do you still, you know, uh, be your best for your team? And then the company, what are you meant to be doing to keep serving it? So once you try to define those four areas, it's going to bring you calmness and clarity about what does your day should look like? How do you right. interact with others and the same roof and so on and so forth? So just to get clear again, though, you like people listening online, you've got individual, family, teams and company. Yeah. So they're the four things you think about. Are you balancing those and, and making Correct. sure that you're listening to other people's, all those four different worlds? Great. I love that. Yeah. Oh, mate, that was perfect. I'll make sure I take that into a bit of advice. Um, so I guess now, um, you know, you've been using Ion as a bit of a tool. You know, we connected yes. on it a while back and, yeah. you know, you, 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 you've enga- you like it and you like using it with some customers. Oh, I, I, uh, look, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about it. It's, um, it has brought a new dimension to, to the work I'm doing and it, it's... Um, Look, how long do we have? <laughs> it's actually, it gives you a different depth of expertise. But also, I personally, I don't like to say, oh, we've done that and it's great. I like for the data to show the results. So a lot of the work I do, there's milestone and there's feedback forms. And one of the team members the other day said, oh, my God, you know, the, um, the program is amazing. You know, what else do you want us to say? And I was saying, I said, look, yes, okay, that's great. But the reason why it's amazing right now for you, it's because so many other teams for each touch point have filled up the, f- the feedback form. And I know that for the team where you're at, guys, you need this type of environment right now and this type of message. Hence why you're getting it. So the feedback is really important. Now to support the feedback I receive, I am comes and run parallels. So throughout the program for the one I've used it as a trial, which is amazing, and now I'm keeping using it, um, it gives us a data point. So every Monday, the team fills up a few of the wheels we've developed together, and then I send that to um, you know, the, the leader, and then we can see where we're at. Um, so number one, it's um, a tool which is actually um, it's just data. There's no emotion. It's pure data. Whatever the team puts, puts in is the reality of the team at the time given. So whether what I think things, you know, regardless of what I think about it, um, it gives us a new dimension. And then it's really good for conversation and it can come as a support of it. So in one of the first sessions I do when I go down to team level after working with leaders is looking at where we're at. And one of the exercises I've done, which is quite, you know, risky, is uh, part of the IP is looking where the company is at and where people are at. And some of them is about, are you turning up for a paycheck? Are you uh, in a realization mode? Are you motivated or fulfilled? 
And we've used an IN live with everyone in the room, and we had about 35 participants, and then the result showed. And the result actually did translate what the leaders had told me and what I had seen as insight through the pre-work. But by having it on a, on a wall, translating to data coming from the room directly, conversation was open to be had. And in that instant moment, yeah? Oh, instant. Like, you don't wait. You know, everyone just uh, log in, do their work, and then I can look at it. And then I use that. So instead of saying, oh, do we feel we are in this position? It's about, well, okay, we can clearly see that there's X amount of people that are probably turning up for a paycheck. And then it's very easy to have the conversation. Um, yeah, this one is good. So this one is actually the one uh, for one of the organization um, in the financial industry where we're working with a specific team that is going from, we're lifting the performance. So the focus is to becoming a high performer through developing individual because that's key. Um, I think what we need to, to really be mindful of when we try to stretch team is um, you have to develop the individual first and then everything else will follow. You can't just, uh, you know, come with a whip and ask them to run faster or smile bigger uh, or have a bigger heart to speak or a bigger connection to the organization. It's about them. And so we've identified what they would need to amplify in order to, you know, progress on that journey to, high, uh, to become a high-performing team. And we've realized that they had to be more brave. They had to collaborate. They had to become accountable, dynamic, curious. Uh, they had to be more transparent and develop their resilience and be proactive and become more savvy. Now, all that came out through uh, one of the specific workshops we do. So I always give them two choices. It's either I say to the team, I can go back to execs, and the execs can tell me um, how you should be, you know, not marked, but, you know, we always need to have some metrics. So do you want the metrics to be decided at exec level, or do you want you to come up with it? And I always clear it with exec leader, and I say, give me 90 days, and if the team wants to, we can do so. That's the first point of call, and they were all shocked. They looked around at their exec and like, can we? And the exec looked at me and said, yeah, it's Joyce, so go ahead. So it was amazing because you get bind from the beginning. And having that, we all de define together. So for example, we came with words. For example, brave means for that team, be brave in our approach, challenging the status quo and ourselves to produce work that inspires. So it's no longer a word you took because, you know, it's really... Um, trendy like at one point in time every organization wanted to be world-class and i said oh, yeah and what does it really mean to you or are you just jumping on the world-class bandwagon like everyone else so mm -hmm. by doing this exercise then it's all in one spot and everyone comes in every monday logs in and click and see where they're at and do a self-assessment so over the period of the 90 days you can see if any of those areas are improving and you can support the team better and then the leader can actually know how to better lead because they might need a little bit more help on collaborating or they're not really understanding you know, the accountability piece and what does that mean towards one another. So, and that gives actually great focus to the team because from now on the team doesn't have to look about anything else. This is what counts. When they're showing up every day, this is it. And three weeks in, um, their exec was saying, look Joyce, it's amazing because they are starting to use a common language. And team oftenly, you know, one of the big uh, cornerstone of a team is about understanding each other and having a common language about what is expected about success. What does success look like? Well, this is what it looks like. Fantastic. And everyone and is you were, 10 there or closer. And yeah. you were actually able to see that progression over this 90-day yeah. period that you've done it with? Yeah, correct. And there has been time where it's gone down. It's really interesting. And uh, 
you know, as anything, we am pretty straightforward and, and a straight shooter, as, as people would say. So there is time where, you know, there has been some come to Jesus moment with, uh, with some teams and you see a dip because they realize, wow, this is serious. I don't know if it's for me. So, but it's needed. It's that introspection, self-awareness. And then straight after, you can see that 90% of the team is going up. And then you know that the 10%, it's probably because they're not in the right, sitting in the right chair. Either they should be in a different area of the organization or in a different organization because value aren't aligned because they're not willing to do the work. They, the expectation of the work is something different. And now that you know, the company has invested in their team and they want to get somewhere and it's no longer the company asking for something to better. It's actually the team as a whole to look at each other and say, no, no, we need to better collaborate. We need to be more brave. We need to be more savvy. So this, it, it, it removes that um, dark corner where people hide often in teams and in, in development programs. And I think this is why this is you know, really helping and taking the whole program and, and its effectiveness to a whole different level. Totally. And I guess, you know, this is what we talk about in leadership, like the new wave of leadership is around this transparency. Yep. It's not about having your, you know, your powder dry and, oh, I'm not going to be talking about these things. But if you can make it, you know, and I think this is the, the uniqueness and having an expert facilitator like someone yourself to help actually yep. do this. Like it's one thing, you know, what I'm finding with as we grow, I um, when people grab it and like, yep, I can do this, great, no worries. And the, the how long it actually works in the organisation, it's, it's very challenging if they don't have like a, you know, an expert third-party facilitator to come oh. in through that. And then there's a transition phase. They have a, you know, uptake in, you know, expert facilitator. There's a lot in that. And then actually over time, maybe they start transitioning into actually using it autonomously themselves and start rolling it out um, to other sites and things like that. That's what I found. Unless you've got that true, you know, um, that facilitator who can frame it really well, um, it does have challenges for like the long term. And the reality is the outcomes are, you know, super positive. Um, thank you. Thanks for sharing. It's uh, it's impressive. Appreciate it. And and so we've also got this one here. Um, is this this is more your personal? Yeah. Uh, show me which one did I say? Oh wait, here we go. I've actually, I have to change it now. This one here. Yeah. This one here. Uh, so, so this is part of the of some of the IPR and with company or, or even leaders to realize um, the reason why they um you know in the job they're at. So there's four phase for everyone in terms of the job. And oh, wait, sorry, just to get clear on this, so this is something you do for coaching for executives one-on-one? Yes, correct, yeah. Okay. This is part of the IP one-on-one and that gets um, rolled out into company for team levels. So if you're an individual, it's about, well, are you turning up for a paycheck? Are you in a realization mode? And the paycheck is about having no real attachment to the job uh, more means to an end. And when we talk about realization, more for team, it's about we all start to realize there could be uh, more to it all than simply taking, like an exploration of what else could be possible through our jobs. Uh, and then the motivation comes from that. So the idea here, when you, when you start, you may have the pitch check that's really high if people are really turning for a mincing end, and then it reduces, and the other one expands. Um, and we clearly see that fulfillment. Uh, so for fulfillment for me, um, it's about... Are you engaged with hearts and minds? Uh, we all have a deep connection with our work and personal fulfillment uh, simultaneously. Work is an extension of ourselves. So this is how through time you can see. So I usually use about three different uh, wheels at the same time. 
and the one I haven't shared is one that, you know, um, it's all the areas of life. And that's what I call the personal will for individuals. And then you've got this one and the other one you should before, which are for a team to see how they're going on the journey. Now, the reason why I do three is because um, I love data and it enables me to understand something happening in one and not in the other. And you can see that sometimes when one is down, there's a direct correlation with another piece of data in a different uh, wheel. And it actually, um, from a mental health perspective, for anyone in HR listening now, I had no idea about what I'm going to tell you, uh, but I've realized that IN could be used in many different ways. And one of them was, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I just was looking through the result and I realized that some people in their personal wheel were very, very low. And that has happened over time. Uh, but, you know, like more in the two and three and all the various areas of life were actually low. And as you were saying, you know, being the expert and facilitator, I thought, you know, something is really wrong. It is my duty. There's a duty of care here. I should really have a chat with either HR or, or the exec in question. And I've called the leader and I said, look, can you have a chat with that person? Something is not right. And the numbers are so low that it's quite concerning. Now, there was two people in one team and there was one in, a, in, in another organization. Now, for all of them, something significant, I won't share what, but just so you know, the, the stress come uh, in life and, and the, the things that are the most stressful, either a death, a loss of a, of a loved one, um, moving, so whether you're moving houses or, you know, um, divorce. And then there's many, many things, but those are the top three. Now, for the three of them, all had one of, one of each. Uh, and they had not told anyone. And that obviously directly impacted them. Now, if a leader doesn't know and someone is usually performing, the conversation could be as, you know, we need this sorted, by the way, we can... Now, when you have that insight, before you're loading them up, you may have a conversation. Is everything okay? Do you have capacity to take more on? How's your mental headspace? And then you can work together better. So if people don't come forward about telling you the issues they're having in their personal life, it's, it's a temperature check. You can see the gauges going down and something's happening. So before moving in terms of managing them, or you, know, you can truly lead and lead the conversation. Totally. I love that. And I remember you did share something like that. And it has been quite an interesting phase with IAN as we go into this space around this, you know, we're opening a, a doorway of, of people to be vulnerable. And, you know, there's two ways to be looking at it. One could be, we don't want that, you know, potential, you know, the sad thing is in some workplaces, it's all of a sudden, we don't want that. We don't want to know too much about our employees because all of a sudden it opens a lot of potential issues around wrongful dismissal and all these different things. But the other side is that you have these open honesty conversations and then all of a sudden you build this genuine relationship, engagement's higher, productivity's higher, yeah. you know, and that general long-term investment in your people is going to be there. So when push comes to shove, you are going to be investing, they're going to be giving so much more back to the company because they know they've got you. And, you know, if something does go down the path where things are, you know, on a mental health level, really you know there that's where you can get that's where the hr systems are there for that's where the outsource um eap systems are there for ion is yeah. like the intention of ion it's it's identifying it and then putting their appropriate precautions in place through existing systems that are there that are promoted you know so highly where it's all of a sudden there's so much there for the end of funnel when someone's like seriously depressed 
down and out, high anxiety, very disengaged workforce, and then all of a sudden there's crisis control stuff. But what about like this before, you know, months before this journey starts? This is where these conversations can start. So it can mitigate it or make yeah. sure that the system's in place for long-term, um, out, you know, outcomes for both parties. I was actually looking into, so a couple of things I'd like to share on what you said. Number one is employee are your biggest asset. That's number one. So whether you want to, you know, uh, bury your face in the sand, that is okay. But if you're an organization that see your employee as disposable, don't use IM. It's very simple. Um, or, or use it, you know, for other things. But, you know, if, if people that say to you, oh, we don't want to know because it opens the kind of worms, uh, well, then, you know, those company won't be there in a few years anyway. They won't last. Because nowadays, especially in the work we do, um, you know, by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be made of millennials. And we know that millennials need a connection to their, you know, employees and the company they work with. They need fulfillment and meaning. Now, it means that those companies that are saying, I don't want to know about this, they're actually going to need to be left with 25% of the population in terms of hiring. And those will be made of the people that are either, you know, um, not interested to work or focused on retiring and so on and so forth. So uh, good luck to this company. That's, that's my first point. But to all the others that I understand that it is a journey, we all need it together. And um, again, what I want to share is it doesn't mean that then you become a slave to the tool or to the people. I mean, for everything I do, there's a real commercial element. element and people need to realize that they have to perform, you know. But it's understanding better and be there on the journey. And the latest studies show that um, employees could prevent three in four employees from leaving. And 77% of turnover is preventable by employers. You know, when you know that in America, the cost of turnover will increase by 19% by 2020, the end of 2020. And the estimated cost of turnover, it's 33% of the salary of the company, of the employee you have to replace, if people want to figure. And, you know, if, if we want even to blow people's mind even more, the cost of employee turnover in 2018 was $600 billion in the US. And it's going to jump to $680 billion in 2020. Now, a tool like Iron or people like me are there, you know, as a cure to this. It's not just treating the symptom, it's going to the root of what's happening. And the reason why I, I mean, how I see I and I can use it is really, we're here to actually help people make the decision whether they should be here or not, and then to wake up to their best self and bring the genius to work so they can actually contribute and serve. And when you have a company that's of service to a specific market and, and customer or segment in the market, and you've got the people that understand that and they want to come on the journey willingly, it's easy. It's like conducting an orchestra and it's beautiful. Oh, mate, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, we, you know, we've obviously spoken about this a lot. And, you know, I think we are this reflective next wave of, you know, this, this consciousness around, you know, leadership and actually that, you know, places of uh, meaning and purpose these young millennials coming through 75 percent these stats out there i'm sure a lot of people really yeah. do appreciate and i think you know the reality is what will come up through 
this, you know, I was having a chat to Arna Rubinstein, who's one of my close trainers, who's a yeah. rite of passage guru. And he talks, we are going through this global rite of passage. Everyone is forced to change. And the World Health Organization just yesterday said, this is the biggest global crisis since World War II. Um, and I think, or at the other end, it will force us to change. And, you know, if that's going to be becoming more environmentally conscious, which is one thing. Another thing is around actually, you know, living with purpose, living with passion and actually being at work, ensuring that, you know, this life is short. It's short. It's, you know, we're only here for a short while. We're all going to die. Um, and we may as well live in alliance with that. And I think everyone's got this time to reflect. And I think these podcasts and um, people hearing your voice, man, it's great of service. And I've really always appreciate your yarn. You've always got a great insights. Always appreciate you for the stats and continue doing your work, man. I think uh, more people need you in their workplaces to do it. So where can people find you? Um, online, www.jorisquesta.com. So J-O-R-I-S-C-U-E-S-T. TA.com, jorisquesta.com. They can reach out on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I'll be happy to start a conversation or, or have a, you know, Zoom coffee if anyone has any questions. But also thank you for what you're doing, um, Lucky, because when, I remember when we talked about um, your idea and you were developing it and you're really passionate about it and it comes for what I believe is the right place and through everything you did and, and the way you look at it. And what I like most is, you know, you reach out from time to time saying how it's going and is there anything we could improve? So it's not just about putting something out there, but looking on how you can even, you know, a better adapt tool because at the end of the day, you know that that's going to have an impact on people. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you for that. Later. All the best for this COVID. Look forward to staying connected and keep Thank on with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it, Joris Cuesta, sharing some uh, great insights around how to deal with COVID-19, how to be a leader, how to be an effective leader to your team to perform through this extremely challenging time. Uh, Cuesta would love for you to reach out to him. He's got capacity to be able to do um, online virtual training with teams. I've seen him firsthand do it with teams, um, you know, one-on-one up to teams of 50 um, through virtually uh, virtual sessions. So please feel free to reach out to Joris. Um, please continue checking in on the Iron Yarn podcast. We've got plenty more coming for you. Until next time, keep on yarning.